Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about becoming the CEO of your career. Now, a lot of us, when we think CEO, we think the person at the top who's calling all the shots. But what does this mean in the context of our career? How can we take ownership and move forward with clarity and the strategy that an executive would have? To answer that question, I brought on Janine Esbrand. Janine is the founder of Career Change Makers, TEDx speaker, a podcast host, and former lawyer. Since stepping off the corporate lawyer treadmill, life looks very different for Janine. She has spent the last seven years helping female professionals take ownership of their careers. And it is her mission to help women transition into work that they want to do rather than coast along doing work that they feel like they should do. Janine has blended her expertise as a career and executive coach with her 10 years experience as a professional working woman to guide clients through a simple and impactful process to loving work and life. So as you can see, Janine is going to be amazing and we're going to have a solid episode here talking about taking ownership. So if you feel like you've lost control over the last several years or even recently, then this is your episode and we're going to give you that clarity and confidence that you need in order to take ownership and become the CEO of your career. Without further ado, this is our episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Janine, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so amped. And for some reason, I already have chills just because I know it's going to be a really fun (laughs) and interesting episode. The first thing I wanted to hear just sort of launching into it is I want to hear more about your journey from lawyer to career coach and even starting this business, because I know that a lot of us, we're going to draw some parallels here about CEO, Mm -hmm. but specifically what drew you to career help? Yeah. So I started out my career as a lawyer um, back in around 2010. But prior to that, I decided probably at the age of eight that I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, My mom said I was argumentative as a child. I would say opinionated. But, you know, so she said, like, you should be a lawyer because you have an answer for everything. So I kind of took that seed that she planted. And as I grew up and I watched Law and Order, Ali McBeal and different legal dramas, I felt like, oh, yeah, this is a career that I want to pursue. So I took the steps to do what I needed to do. And shortly before I qualified as a lawyer, I went on a mission trip to East Africa. Um, There was a group of lawyers that went to East Africa and we went into prisons and we were educating prisoners about their legal rights. We went into communities and educated parents about child protection rights. And we did so much in a short space of time. Then I came back and I was sitting at my desk working in litigation at the time, chasing unpaid gas bills on behalf of a company that we were advising. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like two weeks ago, I was in a dusty prison in Kenya, helping people Mm -hmm. fight for their legal rights. And now I'm just shuffling paper and chasing people for unpaid bills. And it just felt a bit like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And at that point, I knew that I didn't want to walk away from my legal career because I worked so hard to get there and I was just qualifying. But I wanted to find a way to help people on a more personal level. So I started exploring different things that I could do. And I came across coaching. I went to like a two-day seminar, which was an introduction to coaching and got in the room and thought, 
oh my goodness, there's all of these people who are just like me, who like love to see the glass half full, love to help people to see how they're going to move forward. I didn't know there was a whole industry around that. And so I ended up doing my coaching certification on the side whilst I was still practicing as a lawyer. And then as I was progressing throughout my career, I went through a period where I had a baby and I was trying to figure out, do I stay in my role as a corporate lawyer or do I shift because it no longer works given where I am in my life? And so I started to notice there were other people who had similar challenges. So I, I started coaching people like friends, family on the side and yeah. over time built my coaching practice up on the side to the point where in lockdown, I decided to go all in on the coaching and kind of let go of the legal but I was practicing as a lawyer for 10 years and doing coaching on the side for about four before I went full-time. I love it. And before this recording, I know you and I were talking about all of the things that could positively transfer over from law and your work as a lawyer over to career help. And, you know, not only that, but I ask you to share your story and, and so many of the other podcast guests who have come on just because that is a really solid example of how you were able to notice something that you wanted and make a pivot. Mm -hmm. And no pivot is too extreme, I think. It's like I brought it before in the past in this podcast episode. It's like me going from restaurant manager over onto resume writing service. And your story, I think, is a great illustration of that as well. So yeah. segue on over to the concept of becoming the CEO of your career. One thing that you wrote in when we were first communicating was at the core of my work, there is one message and goal that I work on with my clients, taking the reins and becoming the CEO of your own career, feeling empowered and confident and taking a step back to build career goals and a development strategy allows people to achieve the career and satisfaction that they've always dreamed of. And I love to share my strategies for this. So we'll go into the strategies, but first I just wanted to Define what it means to become the CEO of your career. What does this mean in your, your own thoughts and words? Yeah, so it's really about taking ownership of your career development and the direction of your career. I think oftentimes, particularly if you come from a background where everything is very structured. So for me, as a lawyer, there is a very clear laid out path and you follow the path and you do what everyone else has done. So you can feel as though that's how you have to progress in your career. But when you take a step back and you step into that CEO role, you're asking yourself questions around what is the vision that I have for my career and where do I want to go and where do I want to take things? And then with that vision, I then can make decisions about how I'm going to strategically get there. So it's about moving out of the passive seat into the active seat when it comes to your career development and not just waiting or hoping that opportunities will come your way and instead creating them. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are in that passive seat. We are just expecting that promotion to drop into our laps or for that career coach to give us that perfect piece of advice that's ready for us through the podcast. Maybe that's it this episode. I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> that happens. But before that, I think there has to be some work to be done in order to know that this is the direction that I want to be going in. Yes. And so like, what's the problem though, if I, if I haven't convinced a listener so far, like what's the problem with being in the passive seat, like versus the active seat? Like, what does it mean to be be there? I think when you're in the passive seat, you, you probably don't do that work to really think about what it is that you want. And so you can find yourself in a space or in a role that isn't a good fit. And you're frustrated, you're annoyed, you're feeling overlooked, you're feeling undervalued. And part of it is because you haven't been intentional about where you've put yourself 
or you made a decision years ago and you've been acting based on that decision, but you've changed as a person. Your values have shifted. What's important to you has shifted, but you're still on the same path that you set like 10, 15 years ago. And so there's mm-hmm. no wonder that, that they feel, it feels frustrating. There's no wonder that it's like, oh, there, there has to be more to life than this. And so it's important that we take stock at various points and say, okay, this is the path that I have been on. Is this the path that I want to stay on? So that you don't find yourself wishing time away or find yourself regretting that you spent like 10, 15 years in a role that actually wasn't a good fit. And I think that people can make so much more impact within the work that they do or through the work that they do when they're sitting in the right seats. Like if you have a skill set that would be much better suited in a different role within a different organization, everyone benefits, you benefit and everyone else benefits as well. And I think there's too many people that are just coasting in roles being like, okay, well, work is work. And of course, work is is what it is. And I'm like, no, 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 you spend like 90,000 hours at work in your lifetime on average. Like what are we doing? Why are we just in roles that we yeah. don't want to be in? It doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah. Is there ever a point where it's too late to make a change or even you would say it's it's too late to make a larger change in our careers and in our lives? No, I don't think so. Because gone are the days where people would make a decision at the beginning of their careers and just stay with the same company or within the same space for their whole career, like 30, 40, 50 years. It's normal. And it's becoming even more normal with the current generation or the most recent generation to move around and to shift and to decide, actually, I might have spent a few years doing this and now I want to try something else. And there's a richness in that, like recognizing that you gain a skill set in one area. And that skill set is transferable and that skill set can be leveraged elsewhere. So, you know, you were asking before, what skills have I brought from being a lawyer into being a career coach? There's lots of skills that I developed there and they're valuable here. And so rather than just seeing things as a, okay, you've got this many years of experience, so you can't let that go. It's flipping it and reframing it and saying, I've got this many years of experience. What skills did I develop? in this role, in this environment? And therefore, what skills have I got to bring somewhere else? I love that. Thank you so much for painting a picture. I think we've inspired people if they haven't already, or at least given them that kick needed to make that change. I'll make up actually a very practical example that can lead into my next question here. But let's say that I've been in sales for the last 10 years. It's something that, you know, I went to school and college hypothetically, for communication. And I feel like communication has really positioned me well to do these sales positions. I found that in the last five years, in this instance, I've become burnt out through just being in this position and not really enjoying it like I used to. I'm in a position right now where I'm an account executive and I have to take call after call after call. I'm not sure what it is specifically that I don't like about this position, but I can tell you that I don't want to be in sales anymore. What is the first step to figuring out what I need to do next to have that fulfilling career that we're talking about? I think a big step and an important step that people often overlook is to take time to audit. So you mentioned like, I don't really know what it is that I don't like about the role, but I don't want to do sales anymore. And I think digging in and actually paying attention and doing an audit. So over the course of a week or over the course of two weeks, Pay attention to every time where you feel like, oh, I don't want to do this or, oh, I don't want to be here. What what <laughs> happened before that? Like, who gave you something to do? What is it that they gave you to do? What type of interaction did you have with what type of person? So that you can actually start to pinpoint, what about my role do I not like? Because if you just jump ship because it just feels like you don't want to do it anymore, you run the risk of moving into a new space and creating the same 
issues because you haven't Mm. identified what it is you're moving away from. Because sometimes, you know, I've had clients who come to me and say, Janine, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. Like I, I need to do something completely different. And when we start digging into what it is they don't like about the role, what they realized was it's actually the team that I work for or it's the clients that I work with. But I like the skill set of being a lawyer. So all I actually have to do is pivot to a different environment. And then there's some people that say, actually, I just don't like what is required for this role anymore. And then, you know, okay, if it's the role, then you need to move. So one of the things that I talk to people about is the SPL method, which is the shift, the pivot and the leap. And so when you've assess what is going wrong for you what's not working you can then say well do I need to make a shift which is just doing something slightly different like doing the same thing in a different environment do I need to pivot where I'm using the same skill set but I'm using it in a different context or do I need to make a leap where it's like I'm just going to throw this out the window and do something completely different right what were the three again if you can just repeat that one more time I think that's huge yeah so it's you're doing a shift you're making a pivot or a leap So a shift is like, I'm just doing what it is that I'm doing in a slightly different environment. So it would be same role, different organization. A pivot is like, I'm using the same skill set, but maybe I'm moving to a different industry or a slightly different way to do the work that I'm doing, right? So if I'm a lawyer in private practice, I might move to consulting. And then a leap is like, oh, I'm going to go from being a restaurant owner to a podcast host, like completely different. I'm sorry. I just say that's amazing. I've never heard anyone like define like break it out into three different definitions so well. So that's why I bring that up again. I think that's really good because not all transitions are made the same. We need to tailor to different scenarios here. So thank you for that. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add to that is when we're thinking about making a career change, sometimes people are resistant to change because they don't want to like mess up their whole lives. It's like, well, I earn a certain amount of money and I need to maintain that paycheck. So therefore I can't move. I have to stay where it is that I am. But when you start thinking about all of the factors, like how much do you want to earn, like lifestyle things, you can ask yourself, can I actually make a leap right now? Or do I just need to start with a shift? Because that's going to be easier to do and I might be able to maintain my salary or it helps you to see that you can make a change without having to throw away everything. And maybe Mm. you explore those first before you look at the big leap that might take more in terms of time and resource for you to actually execute. I love that getting a bit vulnerable right now. This is something that I feel like it's a little awkward to mention, but I just can't think of any better example of this. But I encountered something pretty similar in my own life. And I'll say for like this podcast, actually, in particular, somewhere around, I'd say episode like 125, 130, I was starting to feel like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of like burning me out in such a way because you have to put out content after content. On top of that, I have the business, the resume writing service that I need to making sure that I'm managing and leading as well. It was starting to feel like this grind. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to keep doing this over and over again. And so for one, I remember one moment I was thinking like, I don't know if I should be doing this anymore. I remember having a conversation with my brother being like, you know, maybe I should just focus on the resume stuff, which of course is our bread and butter, our our revenue maker. So I was thinking of just making the, I guess I should say the leap to do something completely different. I don't know whether that's like a different content, but what I realized, the thing that I liked the least about it after doing the audit, like you talked about in the very beginning, was that I didn't like being rushed. I didn't like the TDM of all like the different things that I had to manage. And I felt like I was just taking all of it. And because of that, I couldn't enjoy the conversations and go deep into the conversations, which is truly like the one thing that I love about the podcast is like, 
using my voice and making these connections with guests. And so after doing that audit, I was able to connect with two lovely people who were able to help take care of that TDM, AJ and Raphael. I know you're listening right now. And AJ takes care of the edits and he's really helped me to free up my mental energy and space to just focus on the conversations. And Rafaela helps me to coordinate with guests. I'm not saying it's perfect. There still is that tedium to this day, but it's allowed me to end up focusing on the one thing that I love the most. And it wasn't just making that really big leap. It was the, what is it? Like the, the shift that's yeah. like level one. I love that you just use that example so well to illustrate it because you could have just been like, I can't do this. I'm just going to stop doing the podcast. And then look who would have missed out. Like the audience would have missed out on so many incredible interviews that you've done and so many incredible, you know, episodes. And it's like, you didn't actually have to throw it out the window. You just needed to like shift the way that you were operating the podcast. It's been great. I think the audit exercise is so powerful and, and encouraging people to go deeper instead of just saying, I, I want to quit this altogether. Maybe that is the choice. They should quit it altogether. But really taking inventory in the things they love versus hate about the job, I guess, so to speak. So yeah, absolutely. In the sales example, going back to Mr. Sales, looking really closely at what it is that I am, I think I'm called to do. What is the next step there after I take this deep look, this deep dive? Yeah. So figuring out, okay, like, what is it that's going wrong? Then the other thing you want to do is start getting introspective around like, what is your skill set? What are your strengths? You know, what are you actually really good at? And making sure that how you're going about executing your role aligns with your strengths. Sometimes people are frustrated because they're going against the grain of how they naturally show up in what they're trying to do. So for example, if you know that your strength is that you're a people person, you picking up the phone and spending all day on the phone trying to call people may not be as effective as you going to networking events to generate leads. Whereas like the prescription for your role might say, okay, you've got to be on the phone and make this many calls. But you have to then ask yourself, is there a different way that I can execute this role to get the same result, but that honors and leverages my strengths? So I think spending time there is also very helpful because then you can say, do you know what, can I try doing this a slightly different way? That feels better to me rather than frustrating. Right. Absolutely. How do I figure out what positions to target after gaining some clarity there? I know there is a world of different job titles out there. There's, yeah. you know, even some random strange job titles that I've never seen before in my life, but they're coming, they're coming up. Yeah. What what should I be doing? Is it just a matter of going on Indeed and browsing? What do you recommend in terms of searching for the actual title? So yeah, you can do that. But like, I feel like you could spend a lot of time going down rabbit holes if you're just searching job specs and like having a look at what they say. The quickest, most effective way to get insight that's going to help guide your decision making is to gather real data. And the way that I encourage my clients to do that is through golden nugget conversations, which is essentially another way of saying informational interview. But I call them golden nugget conversations because you can have a conversation with someone for 15 minutes and the nugget that they give you will save you a ton of time and give you a level of clarity that you didn't have. So you speaking to someone who has that job title and you asking them very specific questions around what does it look like to do your role? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? What skill sets are required for the role? Like what type of person operates best? What is your journey? How did you get into it? When you start listening to people, you can realize that, oh, what I thought this was is absolutely not what it is. Or this sounds exactly like what it is I want. And then that can give you a steer 
And then you can start to like cross out some of the things that actually don't align and then go more towards the ones that do. So that's like the best and quickest way for you to just like cut through all the noise and be like, okay, I think I want to be an account exec or I think I want to go here. Let me go speak to two or three people that are doing that, hear what they have to say. And based on that information, make an informed decision about whether or not this is the path for me or not. I love that. I think so many job seekers are relying on technology solely. And again, I'm, mm. I want to say technology is great. We should be browsing the internet and doing whatever research we can. We should be using things like ChatGPT if it helps us. But at the end of the day, we are humans wanting to connect with other humans. And that is how we relate. And that is how we discover and understand this world around us. So those golden nugget conversations, those informational interviews are key. I agree. I think that's such a great way to end up not only gaining the clarity, but just possibly even working as a strategy, correct, in your job search. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it can double up. So you can have a conversation with someone, realize that this is a path for you, build a relationship with that person and circle back and an opportunity may come within their organization. So I think seeing it as a research tool, but then also a way to start networking is is what you want to be doing. And I have a quick example of a client who came into one of my coaching programs thinking that she wanted to be a therapist. She's coming from a legal background. She's like, I think I want to be a therapist. I want to help people. She had a conversation which lasted an hour with someone who was training to be a psychotherapist. At the end of the conversation, she's like, Janine, it's not for me. <laughs> it is definitely not for me. <laughs> Just, I'm not. That is right, not my right. And I was like, I'm so glad you got that, Linda, because now we know. And then she was able to pivot and she figured out what is her jam and what she does want to focus on pretty quickly after that. And so I was like, look, you spent an hour of your time. What if you had invested in the training that is required to be a psychotherapist, the time that would have gone past like a good couple years for you to qualify only to start working with people and be like, this isn't it. And instead she spent an hour. So. I love that example. So your mission is to help women transition into work that they want to do. Can you share some common challenges that women face in achieving this goal and how you help them to overcome those challenges? So a special yeah. shout out yeah, to that. I would love to hear about women specifically. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is that I won't say all women, but many women feel as though they have to tick all of the boxes for an opportunity before they will apply for it or before they will position themselves for it. So, you know, like a man can see a job spec, or there's been studies that have shown that a man will see a job spec and if he can meet 60% of the criteria, he'll apply for it. A woman's going to be like, unless I hit like 96% of that criteria, I'm not going to apply for it. And so what happens is when you're looking at opportunities, whether that is externally or even within your organization to get promoted, people are like looking at themselves and saying, well, oh, I haven't done that before. I haven't done that before. I haven't got experience with that. So therefore I can't apply for it. And what I like to highlight to people is that it's not about you necessarily having done the thing. It's about you having a skill set and being able to demonstrate potential to do that thing. Because if you think about Makes it, sense. anyone who's been promoted before, anyone who's gone up to management position or a, you know, a C-suite executive, They've been promoted, but they've never actually done that role before. Like prior to their promotion, they'd never done it before. Sure. So why did they get promoted? They got promoted based on the potential that they showed in a previous role. And so I want people to adopt that mentality and say, okay, maybe I haven't done that role, but like what evidence do I have to support that I could do it? And I have got the decision-making ability to do it, or I have got a skill set that can develop 
so that I can do it. And as I dig into that with my clients and help them to look for examples where they've actually done that before in their careers, it gives them more confidence moving forward. But when you just look at it blanket, it's like, no, 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 I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And I'm like, listen, can we just talk about how amazing you are? (laughs) Like, you can absolutely do this. (laughs) Yeah. Again, like one things that technology cannot do yet is having these impactful conversations with us to uncover the amazing things that our clients have done before in the past through the power of connection and voice and conversations. So MetaWay, I appreciate this conversation we're having to impact me. And so yeah. it's been great. And I'm sure you see that with your clients too, when you're doing resume writing, where like you're having a conversation with them and they'll just give you a throwaway comment of like, oh yeah, I spent some time doing this thing this one time. And then you're like, wait, pause, yeah. what was that you did? <laughs> And then you realize it's this huge thing that they just overlooked and thought like it was irrelevant. And you're like, it's so relevant. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Especially folks who are maybe looping back to a job that they did maybe 10, 15 years ago. Maybe they had a gap because they were Mm -hmm. a stay-at-home mother or they made a a transition for whatever reason. It's like, no, no, let's go back and uncover some of the things you did a long time ago. Because I think sometimes we like to throw out these blanket rule of thumbs in the resume space. like oh, if you haven't done it in the last 10 years, then don't include it on your resume, no matter what. I'm like, but what about those people who have to go back in time and bring up things that are more relevant to the jobs they're applying for now? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's about that discovery call. And I love that. One thing you talk about in uh, recently in your podcast episodes is visibility and the visibility effect. So I'll ask you point blank, what are some great ways to get noticed as a job seeker? We're living in a time now where there's so much opportunity for us to be intentional about raising our profile and building our brand in a way that is is accessible. So LinkedIn is definitely a place to be if you're job seeking, but really thinking about your LinkedIn profile, almost like your sales page. So, you know, I like to make the parallels between being a business owner and like running your career, but like you're selling you. What about you? Do you need the people to see like the people that you're trying to get in front of the people that you're trying to connect with what do you want them to know about you and making sure that those things are present on your profile oftentimes when people are job seeking I see them jumping straight to like I need to update my resume and I need to update my LinkedIn profile and my question is always with what like what are you updating it with because depending on what your goal is you're going to update it differently and so spending the time to figure out okay how do I want to position myself how do I want to be seen then allows you to actually intentionally do that on your LinkedIn profile if you know what you want to do start networking with the right people so it's like how do I get in front of those people is that in person events is that using online platforms is that asking for recommendations or connections through other people so i think the key thing really is intentionality like when you know what you want, then you can position yourself to be seen by the right people. That makes sense. You mentioned LinkedIn. You must really believe in it as a platform for job seekers. Is that one of the top ways that you would recommend that folks get that visibility? Or are there other ways that you typically look to? Yeah, I think I would say there are different platforms in different places, but LinkedIn is number one. Unless you have like an online presence. So unless you have a business and you have a website or anything like that, When people Google you and know that they will Google you, your LinkedIn profile will be the first thing that comes up. So if your LinkedIn profile is not Mm. optimized, you're missing an opportunity to make an impression with a potential employer. Like if Mm. you don't have a picture on your profile, if you're not really saying what you're about, like 
they could be looking you up and finding out about you before you even have a conversation if you're yes. using the tool correctly. So, you know, nowadays everyone has a digital footprint and it's like, what does your footprint say about you? Like people are going to search you. So I think gone are the days when you can be like, yeah, I'm not really into that social media stuff. It's like, you don't have to do all of social media. We're not talking TikTok, Snapchat and all of that, but LinkedIn, yes. If you're job seeking, you need to make sure that your profile is optimized. Absolutely. And check those settings too. I think a lot of folks don't realize that their profile may not be visible yeah. to anyone else, but their connections. I try to push people to be a little bit more open if they're comfortable with sharing, making sure that their picture is visible and it's not locked because I think pictures yes. can do a lot if they're professionally done or not even done by a professional, but just a good looking picture that isn't you holding a fish. A selfie. With, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And pay attention to that headline too. I would tell people like they don't necessarily need their position title as their headline. There's so many creative ways to create this brand statement that appeals to your audience and like where you're trying to go in life. So it's yeah. again, going back to taking ownership of your career. It's like take ownership of your LinkedIn profile and target it and tailor it towards where you want to go. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, also recognizing that you don't have to be one dimensional. I think sometimes people, especially if they're at a job right now and they're thinking about looking elsewhere, they're like, oh no, I don't want my employer to know. And it's like, well, if you're updating your profile to demonstrate things that you're interested in or things that you believe to be impactful, those may align with the new organization that you want to work with. But even if like your employer did see that you were making updates, like it's your profile that like, you get to talk about right. you, your life, your interests. And so don't shy away from, you know, crafting a profile that is showing you as a person, because that's what a potential employer is going to be attracted to if it's the right type of organization for you. I've seen creating a really solid LinkedIn profile as it's almost like creating this thing in a vacuum that if nothing enters the vacuum or leaves the vacuum, then it's not really going to make an impact and the visibility is not going to be there. So what do you recommend that your clients do after they have the solid picture, headline, yeah. summary, all that kind of stuff? How do you recommend getting that profile visible to the right audience? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it is about, I see LinkedIn as almost like a online networking room with like millions of people in it. And so the same way that if you went to a networking event, you would work the room as it were, where you would go around and like have conversations with people. You can do that on LinkedIn. So once your profile is optimized, then what you want to do is look for conversations that are happening in your space, like in your industry, like people who comment a lot or post a lot in that space, conversations that are happening around current trends or updates, join the conversation. If someone does a post, mm. if you find that to be insightful or interesting, you comment below that post, that person is then going to get a notification that you commented on their stuff. What does that person then do? They go and click on your profile. Say, oh, interesting. Chris just commented on my thing. Let me see what he's about. If your profile is optimized, they will then see that you have an interest in the industry that they're in. So if you spent time doing that on a regular basis, what then happens is your network grows within the industry or space that you want to be in because you can then start to connect with those people. So you're getting visible because like you're there and they see you. And if you do that consistently, it, there's just something that happens, right? Like, yeah. you know, as someone who creates content, if someone takes the time to comment on my stuff, I remember that person. So if that person then emails me 
about an opportunity at my organization, I'm going to be like, where have I seen his name before? I've seen it. I've seen it. And it's like, it was on LinkedIn. Yes. And that yeah. connection is created, <laughs> but you was intentional about creating it. That's so good. And none of us career experts, resume writers, et cetera, really know the algorithm. I don't even think like even the people who work at these platforms know the algorithm. A lot of it's secret. But what we can say with confidence, and even after speaking with some of the folks at LinkedIn, is that they're as a platform really prioritizing conversations wholeheartedly. I've heard it over and over again. Like we want to see conversations. We love to see conversations our platform. It's one thing that we're really pushing. That's one reason why lately after speaking to some of the team, the newsletters are one of the things that they're really passionate about because it's the idea of creating these stimulating, thought-provoking pieces of content and creating conversations around that. Now, I'm not saying that every job seeker right now has to become a content creator. I think that's too big of a leap. That's something that we're not asking. It's, It's not even necessary to get your dream job. But finding little ways, like you mentioned, about like commenting on other people's posts, that is something that goes beyond just like, hey, great post, is that way of engaging in a conversation that gains you that visibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've seen examples of people who did that and got roles out of that. Like there was one lady in particular who was commenting on a thread and she said Mm -hmm. something that was really insightful. And the person who had posted was looking for someone to join the organization. And that person who commented wasn't the best fit from a you know experience point of view but their perspective that they shared on that comment sparked conversation and that conversation led to them landing a role and so that's not going to happen all the time but it's just an example of you putting yourself out there and just not knowing where that might lead i love that great example so i'll hit visibility here in a different angle here Many people struggle with gaining the confidence and respect of their colleagues sometimes people want to gain recognition from their managers that they are performing well because i think a lot of us do perform well and a lot of us are putting our best effort at work but it's not necessarily getting noticed our brand Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily being conveyed in the way that we want it to so how do we gain that positive brand impact and that visibility among our colleagues and our managers at work yeah that's such a good question in terms of, you know, okay, when you're within an organization, how do you get visible? I think the quickest and easiest way to be visible amongst those who are more senior, like managers and C-suite execs, is for you to be visible around the right things. So oftentimes people are working hard, they've got their heads down, and they're expecting that their managers are noticing that they're working hard. The reality is you've been hired for a role. So the expectation is you do the role, right? Like you, you execute on what it is you're being paid to do. So the things that that get them to pay attention is when you're working on things that are aligned with the objectives of the team, of the department, of the organization. So you paying attention to, okay, what are the priority things for them right now? What are the priority projects that we're actually working on as an organization? And how can I get involved in those? How can I add value in those spaces? Because if you add value in those spaces, you're going to get recognition because that's top of mind and top on the agenda for people. So I think it's about taking the time to really think like, how am I trying to get visible? Where am I trying to get visible? And being strategic about that. And then a low hanging fruit way is making sure that you're contributing in meetings and like raising your hand and sharing what you think. Don't sit in your seat being like, oh, I don't want to say it because they're going to think it's silly and I don't want to contribute. And by the time you've done all of that in your head, the conversation's moved on and you haven't been able to speak. Recognize that you're there for a reason 
They've hired yes. you for a reason. They value your contribution. So give it. And I yes. think if more people were open to like actually speaking up, that is an easy way to get visible because you've, you've used your voice and people are going to remember that. Yes. Janine, I love that. You've been a fantastic guest so far. And second, I'll ask about your career coaching business. But I want to ask just one final question about the job seeker who may be struggling right now. I don't know whether it's in my head, but as of late, I've seen a lot of messages and had many conversations with people who are struggling right now this year. Folks who are not landing the job that they want, they feel stuck duck within their point of the job search, whether it's the resume, the interview, they haven't gotten that dream offer yet, or even a good offer. What mm -hmm. words of advice do you have for those job seekers who are struggling right now? Yeah, I think right now it's about thinking about the landscape. So beyond just the fact that you want this role and you want it for whatever reasons that you want it, think about the context in which the role has come up, like within the organization, what might they be facing? What problem is that role going to help to solve and so when you're positioning yourself you're positioning yourself and your skill set as a solution to the bigger problem so it isn't just you know I want to land this role I'll use the account exec because that's stuck in my mind as an account exec it's like well think beyond that what does that help the company to do we're riding a crazy economic period right now there's a lot of flux there's a lot of change so what are some of the priorities for the company? And then when you're bringing your examples, when you're sharing your bullet points, when you're talking about your experience, how can you make sure you're talking about it in a way that's aligned to what they're thinking about? So it really comes down to positioning. We're in a market now where there is a lot of movement. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of like uncertainty. So you want to position yourself as a candidate who's going to help them to ride the storm rather than just like, I'm applying for this role. I have all of this experience and then expect them to connect the dots as to whether or not you're the right fit. It's like, make it clear <laughs> that you're the right fit because you understand like mm. what their challenge is. I love that. Thank you so much. Tell me about career change makers and how folks can get in touch with you. I thought this was yeah. great. Yeah, sure. So career change makers is a coaching and consultancy company. I help individuals or we help individuals with figuring out what it is they want to do next in their career and then also make the transition. So sometimes that looks like transitioning out into something else or sometimes it looks like transitioning up. So going for that promotion and really going for what it is that you want. So that's how I work with individuals. And then we also help organizations to engage their talent and to support them with their career development. And so, yeah, I have a podcast, the Career Change Maker podcast, where we share regular strategies, tips. We have interviews also to support people with their career transitions. And I hang out on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect yeah. with me, come over to LinkedIn, Janine S. Brand. We can have a chat. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'm just really passionate about helping people to move forward in their careers. Awesome. Well, Janine S. Brand, everyone. Janine, thank you so much for joining us in the Career Warrior podcast. I had so much fun and you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, this wraps up the Career Warrior podcast. Had so much fun doing this episode. I love talking about taking control. As somebody who was looking to escape the own depths of my lack of passion at work and just doing things that I really didn't care about. For me, this episode really hits home. I think that gaining clarity and taking an audit of the things that you don't like versus love doing is so important. And it is so important also to know, just going back to the beginning of this episode, that it's never too late to make a change in your career, no matter how far you've gone down that road. And no matter how much your brain might be wired to do one sort of position, even though it's just 
because you've been doing it for such a long time, it's time to make that change if you feel like this episode spoke to you. So go out and make that change. Would love for you to connect with both me and Janine on LinkedIn. So make sure to send both of us a personalized LinkedIn request. You can also just follow us if you just want to look at our content. So Janine, I will make sure to link her LinkedIn URL or include her LinkedIn URL in the description of this podcast. And yours truly will also make sure to link that as well. Again, we are releasing weekly newsletters now. So there's going to be a newsletter that corresponds with this episode. So if you have any questions or anything in particular jumped out at you during this episode, comment on that newsletter and let me know what that question or comment is. I'll write back to you, I promise. I'm not always the fastest, but I will engage with you. So thanks so much for tuning in. I had so much fun and I'll see you next time. Career Warrior Podcast. And before you go, remember, if you're not seeing the results you want in your job search, our highly trained team of professional resume writers here at Let's Eat Grandma can help. Head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast to get a free resume critique and $70 off any one of our resume writing packages. We talk all the time on the show about the importance of being targeted in your job search. And with our unique writing process and focus on individual attention, you'll get a resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile that are highly customized and tailored to your goals to help you get hired faster. Again, head on over to letseatgrandma.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. 